everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of MYY Takes, a Pinstripe Perspective and Pinstripe Prospects podcast. No, this is not the voice of Robert Coles you are hearing, as he is already online to enter Yankee Stadium tomorrow evening. Instead, you're left with me, Cameron Toe, and I'm joined by Matt Gerald and Les Williams. Thank you so much for making us part of your days wherever and whenever you might be considering this audio. After six days of rest, the Yankees are set to battle the Cleveland Guardians in the best of five American League Division Series, and we're here to break it all down, along with the latest bizarre twist in Aroldis Chapman's seemingly erstwhile Yankees career. But first, as always, we begin with a question. Yankees fans, are we happy today? I just had the first big stomach drop of the pre-postseason. Every year it happens. You have that moment where suddenly you realize what's at stake, and the emotions just start, and that's where I'm at right now. Also, this is not the voice of Matthew Gerald, at least not his usual voice, as you all can probably tell. I've been uh, battling the flu the last few days, and uh, and Michelle with myself, but much like Michael Jordan in the 97 playoffs, I'm here, and I'm going to power through it. So yeah, nervous would be the emotion I would say. Not necessarily happy or unhappy, but it's all come down to this. 99 wins out of 162 games, and now we have at most five games to see if the team can continue its season. So it's always interesting to consider, put the entire season in perspective. And while there's certainly a lot to like about the Yankees' chances against the Guardians, the nervousness is, is always going to be there. Yeah, I'm, I agree, and you sound great, Matt. Don't, not, don't sell yourself short. I love playoff baseball. I love everything about it. It's kind of like when the real season starts, you know, getting away from pointless games, weird interleague games, just – long stretches and long straight stretches of time with a lot of games, but I just love playoff baseball. You want to get those, those 11 wins, I think at the, in the postseason to get the championship and everybody hopefully plays their best baseball. And, you know, it's just, it's my favorite time of the year, you know, football seasons in week five, week, uh, week five ends tonight. So uh, basketball starting, but there's nothing like playoff baseball. I absolutely love it. And yeah. Garrett Cole and Cal Cop- Quantrill on the bump, so really excited about seeing uh, seeing what happens tomorrow night. Am I happy? Absolutely not. But this is also probably the happiest that I'll be for the next four weeks or so. So I guess you can consider me happy for today's purposes. Interestingly enough, Les, I had to choose between the Rangers home opener tomorrow and Yankees game one. I chose Yankees game one, which I think was the right decision, but Talk about cementing your status as the fourth major sport. Why don't we start our season the same day the baseball playoffs start, right? But anyways, we digress. The other reason why I could be happy is, honestly, no one ever wants to see the downfall of a player, especially if he is one who has contributed a great deal to your team's success over the past few years. But we have to talk about Aroldis Chapman. And what surprised me the most was that the Yankees kind of expected that he wouldn't show up to this mandatory workout on Friday evening. Now, I know that he had an excuse for it that the team didn't accept, and his personal trainer posted an apology on behalf of Chapman on Instagram um, sometime yesterday. But, Matt and Les, what was your reaction when you first saw it? Because I was a little bit stunned. but And then, like, Brian Cashman, not really surprised because, you know, Aroldis Chapman is a head case, and has a big ego, and I guess he had an inkling that things would not go well for him this postseason. Good riddance. That was my reaction. 
And that's still how I feel. One of the least likable Yankees, certainly in this era, probably of any era, consistently difficult guy to root for, both because of his behavior off the field and because of his, at this point, legendary meltdowns on numerous occasions that we can all remember and rattle off off the top of our heads because we're all traumatized from having gone through it so many times over the years. A person I will not miss, a player I will not miss. And quite frankly, if the Yankees are able to go the distance this year and win the, and win the championship or whether it happens next year or one of the years following, I will be pretty happy that it won't be a world of Chapman on the mound celebrating that last out because I'd rather it be somebody else. I won't miss him. No, I agree with you too. Like what exactly could you possibly say to phone in a practice or a workout before the playoffs start? Like, and for Brian Cashman to get so, so um, expressive and so, and just the statement that he made just sounds like there was probably some stuff going on during the season that we didn't know about. And then obviously the, the stint with the tat, the bad tattoo ink, whatever the hell that was, you know, it just seemed like, okay, buddy, we're done with you. You've been terrible for us all season long. Your career with us is just about over. Pack your bags, go home. We don't want to see you anymore. So I think, I think um, Yankees fans are happy that he's gone, but it was just a weird ending to his career with the pins with the Yankees. And I, I just, I just don't get it, but at least we won't have those moments where Boone with a depleted bullpen is kind of forced to put a role this Chapman into a potentially high leverage situation. And we're all much like Matt right now. We're not feeling very well. So we've got knots in our stomach, even during the regular season, a meaningless game, but we won't have those moments with the world as Chapman in the postseason. So good riddance. So long. You'll get your ring. You'll get your check, but we won't have to look at you anymore. So I have read Lindsay Adler's piece on the situation at least twice now. First of all, I must say the headline of a Waldis Chapman top five headlines I've ever read in my life. Perfect. But what really did surprise me was the level of detail she was able to gather of just how long this situation has been brewing. Basically, since his struggle started sometime in June or July, the Yankees started to get tired of, you know, being on chappy time, as she called it, having his own routine away from the team and essentially being tailored to or pandered to because he was a brother's Chapman and he was the closer. Now, this now, another thing that you mentioned, Les, that I found interesting was Cashman's seemingly blunt and direct attitude towards the situation of, like, basically, yeah, screw this guy. He doesn't want to be here anymore. We can do without him. Whereas, A, that might not necessarily be the case given the number of pitchers that have gone down over the past few weeks. But, B, the only other situation we've really seen him be so blunt with a player in this type of situation is opening day when he – dictated the terms of the final offer to Aaron Judge. Now, obviously, the situation is apples and oranges, but I think that in reading Lindsay's piece, too, it's hard to not, like, blame the Yankees in this situation, and it's hard not to blame Chapman or Cashman for being so publicly angry with Chapman. Um, it really just seemed like the guy, like, realized he was bad and took his ball and went home. And that's really a not respectable thing at all to do. So yeah, like you guys all said, good riddance. It'll drive down my weekly screen time, not being able to see him pitch in the playoffs. So maybe that's a positive. 
But yeah, I, I'm happy to never ever see him throw another pitch in a Yankees uniform. And I don't even know where he's going to go next. Like Pittsburgh, Miami, one of those, one of those spots. I don't know, but that's a conversation for the off season. Let's move on now to the real, real, real substance here. Game one, games one, two, three, four, and five of the ALDS. I don't know when the next time we're going to record is. We may or may not line up a couple of guests depending on our luck for the next week or two. So let's just talk about this upcoming week. We play Tuesday, tomorrow, game one, Cole against Quantrill. Game two, Cortez versus Bieber, which is on Thursday. And then Friday, game three, uh, Severino against Tristan McKenzie. What are you most looking forward to about these upcoming games? And what are you most definitely afraid of? Well, I love I love this matchup on paper for the Yankees, particularly in game one. Well, throughout, actually, all three starters for Cleveland are low-velocity guys. Three great pitchers, especially Bieber and McKenzie. But they are not guys that light up the radar gun. They are guys who sit consistently low 90s with their fastballs and then have a plethora of good off-speed offerings and breaking offerings to go along with that. And the Yankees should be able to take advantage of pitchers of that style. I mean, we all remember, now this was a few years back, but the Yankees hammered Shane Bieber during game one of the wildcard series two years ago during COVID. I think they can do the same again. And especially with Cal Quantrill taking the hill for the first game, a pretty soft-throwing lefty, which pretty well plays to the Yankees' strengths. you got to figure guys like Judge and Stanton and Torres – should have field day against a softer throwing lefty. So I think the key here is get off to a good start, jump on Quantrill, set the tone for the series, and then beat the Guardians the way the Yankees can when they're at their best. What makes me nervous, if anything, is the kind of what I would term Guardians magic of the last month. They've, they're a team that's clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, and they're they're a team that's that's doing what they do well, really well during this stretch. They are a team that makes a lot of contact. They don't hit a lot of homers, but they make a lot of contact. They run the bases very well. Only one team, the Dodgers, had a higher success rate in stolen bases this year than the Guardians. So they're a team that puts pressure on your defense, and they're a team that that has a knack for for coming up clutch in in big situations over the last five or six weeks of, of games. So that's what frightens me, is the Guardians doing their Guardians thing, being pesky, sticking around, and then getting a big hit. That's a formula that I think can work for them. Well, I, that's a, you bring up some great points there. When, when you said particularly about how they, they're not known for mashing the ball, putting the ball out of the ballpark, putting the ball in play, so that's going to test the Robert Cole's theory of this is, the, this is the team that, this is the way the Yankees were built now. They realize, you know, a lot of guys in, didn't hit to the back of their baseball cards, so they're going to win with defense. So they bring in a, a Harrison Bader, and, you know, IKF isn't the biggest hitter there there is, but he plays pretty solid defense. Josh, Josh Donaldson at third does as well. So Aaron Judge, we know about him in, in right. Big question is going to be who's in left field. You know, is it going to be Oswaldo? Is it going to be Matty Mustache? It's certainly not going to be Stanton, so. You know, and I don't think anybody wants to see Aaron Hicks on left field. So this that's kind of where the, the 
scary part of the defense is, is who is who's in left field. So, um, you know, if Cole can keep the ball in the ballpark tomorrow night, I think they probably take tomorrow night's game. So I'm not tremendously worried about the Guardians, but yeah, it's really it's going to test that theory about this being a defensive Yankees team, this series particularly. Yeah, so Coles and I actually had the privilege of attending game two of the series between the Mets and the Padres over this weekend. And I want to say that that experience has actually made me even more excited to be in attendance tomorrow evening at Yankee Stadium. Um, not as excited as uh, Robert Coles because he's there already, but I'm excited nonetheless. Um, first of all, getting into City Field took about 90 seconds from subway platform to getting up those escalators in the uh, Jackie Robinson rotunda. 90 seconds. There were staff everywhere guiding us to the shortest line in the gate. And lo and behold, boom, get in there. I got my uh, Mets rally towel that says, These Mets, very nice souvenir from the series. And the food was amazing, but the crowd wasn't that great. And maybe it's my Yankees fan jaded self of. We're very jaded. The play the playoffs are very normal for us. They happen every year. It's our time to shine as opposed to, wow, we're actually here for once in our lives. Um, and let's not talk about the fact that there was basically no one in the crowd for a playoff game last night. The Mets did something stupid with their pricing. And, like, I could get into the building uh, on Saturday for less than $100 for good seats, which was ridiculous. But, yeah, that crowd was scared. As soon as – the Padres got a couple runners on as soon as they started threatening. The crowd was nervous, and you could feel it. And they were just like – it was a different type of energy because as Yankee fans, yeah, we're on the edge of our seats for every pitch, but that's because we're anticipating what's happening, not really scared of what's happening next. And that was the case on Saturday when the Mets season was on the line, and that was especially the case last night when the Mets essentially petered out with barely a whimper. So contrasting that crowd with the crowd I'm expecting tomorrow night, raucous. Thank God it's a 7.30 start instead of a 6.30 start for my personal benefit as well as the benefit of the entire crowd. That's an extra hour to drink, um, and I can also go to my work happy hour before that now. And I am just really excited to finally win this playoff atmosphere. I remember I was there for the 2017 wildcard game. I was in the standing room when Didi hit that home run. It was the wildest I've experience I've ever been part of in a crowd being at the games in 2019 during games one and two against the twins. That was also an incredible experience. So I just can't wait to finally three years later be in a Yankees home playoff game for a game that actually matters. It's going to be unreal. What I'm not looking forward to is watching the team attempt to score four runs in a game. I have that sinking feeling again that like something bad is going to happen with the Yankees offense. And maybe that's only because that's the sole worry I have coming into the series. I think that the bullpen worries are overblown. We have enough bodies to at least get through this round. I expect the starting pitching to be good. It's just, I think all you need to win a game against the Guardians is four runs. That's it. Look at what they did in the two games against the Rays. In 24 innings, they had nine hits. They scored their runs on exactly two swings. The two-run home run by... Ramirez on, what was it, Friday, and the walk-off home run by Gonzalez on Saturday. Like you said in the last episode, Matt, this team can't hit for power at all, and it shows here that basically the only way they're going to score runs is by running into one. So all the Yankees really need to do is run into two per game, and we should be good. But who knows? The Cleveland pitching is good, and 
it's cold now. Like it was freezing on Saturday night. So who knows? Maybe it's just my classic October syndrome of everything's going to be bad, but that would be my one worry going in. Like, can the Yankees score four runs in a game? I think it's sort of a totally legitimate worry. I mean, the Yankees offense has disappeared at times this season, completely gone flat aside from Aaron judge. And he's had to put the team on his shoulders and carry them forward. I mean, even just in terms of the, the, just the, the raw quantity of the offensive stats that are attributable to judge versus the rest of the team. It's, it's absolutely wild. I mean, they were first by a whole bunch in home runs this year with 254 over the Braves, 243, but you take away even 20 of those judge homers. Let's say he has a regular, really good season, hits 42 home runs. Then you're down to second place. You're below the Braves. The team as a collective had a 115 WRC plus. I haven't actually gone through and done the calculation of where that number would be without judging there, but it would be lower. It'd be much closer to hundred, much closer to league average without judge. So the rest of the team has to carry its weight for the Yankees to have any shot in this series or any other series that come after it. And that hasn't always happened this year. So I think there's definitely legitimate reason to be worried about the offensive output. Definitely agree with you there too, but you know, I think the last month or so we've seen a lot from Cabrera. Glaber started to look good again. So, you know, they, I think they do, they do, they're going to be okay this series. I'm worried. Should they advance to the LCS? But, you know, I think this could be a good series for them. Like you said before, this team, um, not a high strikeout team and the Yankees are very patient at the plate. So, they could run into some some in an unintentional fastballs, maybe put some balls over the fence, maybe knock some balls into the into the gaps at Yankee Stadium, and you know get hot this series and see what happens in the second round. So I, you know, I I kind of like this matchup for the Yanks. I really do. I I don't want to sound too too over uh, overconfident, but I I feel pretty good about this series. I mean, most of us in the last episode said that we'd rather play the Guardians than the Rays for basically the reasons we just mentioned of Cleveland's lack of offensive firepower combined with the Rays being the Rays and no one actually wants to see them play. Did the series that we just saw between Cleveland and Tampa change your opinion at all? Unless you're shaking your head in an audio medium. I know. I was just thinking about that for a second and thinking, thinking, uh, with my head there, but no, it really didn't. I like the, I like this matchup for the Yankees. Tampa is always, they're always a, a net to the Yankees. They play them hard. They're, they're the little brother that constantly wants to beat the big brother, which I understand be the oldest of three and be successful at kicking my younger brothers behind most of my life. Um, I kid, they're much bigger and stronger than I am, but, uh, I really, I, I'm tired of seeing the Nats. I'd like to see fresh faces, and I really I like how this series lines up for the Yanks. What do you guys think? I think the series over the weekend showed that either team is beatable. Yeah, because the only thing that I think I would be concerned of is maybe Cleveland's pitching is even better than advertised, because, I mean... The Rays scored one run in two games. That's a good team. They scored one run. And we thought that their offense was stronger than Cleveland's. 
going in. So, again, can you run into two mistakes per game? That's a question. That's I think pretty that much just, it. I think that just re, re, reinforced that. It, it just reinforced that theory across the line. I mean, like, we were regardless, we were going to come into a good pitching staff, and it's just a question of, you know, it's October. Can you make the mistakes happen? Will Aaron Judge see any of those mistakes? Wow. Yeah. Will they? Will they? Will it carry over to the pre uh, the postseason? The big question is, will they pitch to Aaron Judge? And uh, I don't know. They'd be kind of silly to to actually give him anything that he could hit. But you know, it's you can't hide in October. You know, you can't you can't run from the guy too much because eventually somebody runs into a fastball or somebody hits the ball to the gap and things happen. Or Judge steals second and ball goes to the outfield, and then he takes home. So, I don't know. I think Cleveland might be dumb enough to pitch to him, but knowing that he'll put the ball out of the park, I wouldn't be surprised if they just walk him or pitch around in the entire series. So, we're at the time for our predictions. We just wanted to give our quick thoughts today about what we see coming up. We covered most of the preview last episode. Robert Coles originally said Yankees in four. He has since said, screw it, Yankees in three. Less, Yankees in three? Yankees in three. I'm going to say it. I love, the, I love seeing Seve back. Um, Nestor's been great all season. And tomorrow night, the $324 million pitcher takes the bump. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Yankees sweep the series as well. Matt, your prediction. I'm going to go with Yanks in four. I do think the Guardians are good enough to, to steal one of these games. I think they'll win game three. The first game in Cleveland, Tristan McKenzie throws another gem. I just love that guy. So I think they'll steal one. But Yankees come back, take the series the next night in the fourth game. I think the winner of game one wins the whole series. I have not decided who I think wins game one as of right now. But I'm going to make this decision in five Four, three, two, Yankees in five. That's my prediction. I think so you're just trying to, sorry, you're trying to give us all heart attacks and just uh, for the next uh, next series, huh? Look, I genuinely think that game one is as much win as it gets for the Yankees Definitely. as game one, just given the pitching matchup, given the, I don't want to say I don't trust Garrett Cole, but I don't entirely trust him either, especially if he's going to give up four home runs tomorrow. So that is what concerns me the most. Like, how is Jose? Can Jose Ramirez homer twice off of Garrett Cole tomorrow? That's entirely possible. So if that happens, Yankees lose. So that's what's really worrying me. But I have faith that Garrett Cole will only give up one home run to Jose Ramirez instead of two, and Giancarlo Stanton will hit a three-run bomb at some point. So. Yankees win game one. Leave us on the edge of our seats as they piece together the pitching for the rest of the series and limp into a ALCS matchup against an opponent from the American League West. Toe, here's a fun question for you. So you say you say Yankees in five. Who's the winning pitcher in game five? The winning pitcher in game five will be Jameson Tyone. Nice. Ooh, I like voice. it. It's going to be one of those weird situations where I assume it's going to be Cole in game five. Right, like barring some type of weather situation or whatnot, um, I think he's going to go four innings, giving up 
two home runs and just like putting a lot of guys on base or just like throwing a lot of pitches before he strikes out like nine batters. Um, and then Tyone is going to come in and have a Mike Mussina level two and two thirds shutdown innings, turn it over to Wandy, Loisica, Efros or whomever and barely eke it out. That's how I feel is going to transpire. That is it. That's an interesting prediction that's sure to give me just anxiety and, you know, a lot of tongues getting popped for the next week or so. Thanks, Toe. Yeah, well, it's the playoffs. Like, if you have skipped glute day, if you have not taken your stomach medication, you are not prepared for what is <laughs> happening. So make sure you're giving us a follow at Pinstripe Purse. If it looks like Pinstripe Peppers, you are on the right track. You can follow me, Cameron Toe, at underscore Cito. Les Williams at Les Williams 23, Matt Jero at MC underscore Jero 14 or just MC Jero 14? Yeah, no, no underscore. Just no just, underscore. Yeah. My bad. And Robert Coles somewhere near Yankee Stadium at R. Coles 0206. Maybe you can send him an empanada or something from a bodega nearby. Anyway, without further ado, go Yanks.